What is going on, fellow streamers? We are live for the first time in streamer season history. We are doing a live podcast recording for the people as uh, it is the anniversary of us announcing streamer season's concept to the world during uh, Super Bowl 54's halftime show on the social medias. And the show has kind of evolved over the last two years with how we've kind of approached it. I think we found our niche. Uh, and it's your boy KB and Dylan Mazzola coming at you from Underground Studios into your TVs, into your streaming devices, as we're going to get set to break down one of the coolest, most badass episodes of the Book of Boba Fett slash The Mandalorian slash I saw on uh, New Rockstars, Dylan. They should just call this Grogu and Friends. <laughs> we're gonna get into that <laughs> we're gonna get into episode five of peacemaker uh some news and notes around the streaming platform univ multiverse and uh i think because it is our two-year announcement dylan we should uh we should formulate something where we're gonna you know push it down a little bit but we'll announce it here and we kind of do obviously the underground sports philadelphia hall of fame ballot is live on the underground sports twitter do yes, something sir. where we like induct like favorite tv and movie characters or something into like yeah. the streaming pantheon or something like that uh, so that. we'll curate a list and uh have the people determine who should we we go with and then ultimately in the next couple of weeks we'll uh we'll induct like our favorite yeah. tv and movie characters and make that a YouTube tradition now as well kyle since uh, yes youtube's live Dylan channel. brought it up. The channel good, is plug live. Yeah. Good plug there. Subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. Uh, you can just search Underground Sports Philadelphia now. We couldn't do that before, and I was like, why is the channel not popping up for people? It's because there wasn't a video on the channel yet, but now there's a video, so it is searchable. Just search Underground Sports Philadelphia on YouTube, YouTube content, this exact podcast, not this episode per se, but streamer season will be on the channel uh stay tuned to our social media channels and accounts for the definitive upload schedule for when video yeah. versions of the podcast will be live uh but be a friend tell a friend subscribe to the youtube yeah. channel help us get big enough where kyle and i can post some red carpet events on that john facts like we're trying we're trying to make it out to hollywood for this show we're trying to talk with the the hollywood peeps i'm trying to meet dave filoni and, and thank him for the masterpieces he's graced us with <sighs> Dave Filoni gave us the best anniversary present we could have ever asked for. I saw a meme. It was just a picture of him and then Bryce Dallas Howard. And they were like, can these two only direct Star Wars from here on out? And I was like, sprinkle John Favreau in yes. there and sign me up. Like, give us those big three and like for action and like combat, give us Mr. Rodriguez himself. And we got ourselves a crew. Um, but before we get started into our book of boba fett chapter six review and breakdown big thank you to our sponsors tomahawk shades the best small batch eyewear in the game you guys can go to tomahawkshades.com now get those snow and ski goggles they are live uh on tomahawk shades website use our code usp at checkout for 25 percent off your entire order at tomahawkshades.com stateside urban craft vodka get these surfside iced teas at statesidevodka.com you gotta be 21 cool, or older to do so and of course please drink responsibly yeah. and dylan's favorite beverage of choice when he's watching peacemaker kenwood beer go to kenwoodbeer.com use the kenny tracker to see who has kenwood beer on tap in the philadelphia area you gotta be 21 or older to do so and of course please drink responsibly and linked in the description of every podcast we're working on getting the affiliate yes. uh or getting the uh promo code working 
But uh, use our affiliate link at Bino Boards to uh, help support such the show. A, such a cool, like, niche, like, sponsor. I'm really here for it. I mean, I've already, I told Kyle, I, I think I said it on air, off air. I'll say it on air again. Uh, I definitely intend on buying one for myself. Not even, not even because they, just because, you know, it's awesome. So, I mean, definitely go out and get yourself one of those bad boys. Yeah, we're definitely going to get one for the studio, too, because I feel like anybody who comes through the studio, like, that's a fun, like, pre-recording type thing to just mess around with. That's going to be YouTube content, like, it's, yeah. it's going to be there. Twitch content, like, let's make it happen. Uh, but Dylan, everyone knows why they're here. It's our Book of Boba Fett Chapter 6 review. Uh, uh, I should probably change the name to uh, the, <laughs> the Book of Grogu Mandalore. Grogu and Friends. <laughs> As new rock stars put it. Um, what an episode. Papa Dave Filoni came through with something you and I have discussed on this podcast whenever we talk Star Wars. For honestly, the better portion of like a year plus now where we've said we've wanted to see something in live action. Um, and we got it. We're going to talk about it. Uh, but this episode... Chapter 6, not only was that a a great gift, but the fact that we got an episode to celebrate two years of announcing streamer season to the world. uh, This was a great episode. Like Kyle just said, those two things. And and then you sprinkle in the fact that Peacemaker may have also given uh, given us its best episode, or at least top Mm -hmm. two episodes so far. So it's a a great day to be on here and talk to y'all because we... (laughs) Spoiled. It is... We were, me and Dylan were texting each other earlier, and we were like, so giddy to record this episode. A um, lot to talk about, so we're going to jump right into it now. Uh, this episode titled, From the Desert Comes a Stranger. Uh, and we kicked this episode off with a wide shot of several moisture vapor, uh, you know, vaporators. A group of Pike Syndicate couriers meet beneath the vaporers. Um, the Pike courier says that. It's all there. A pike guard replies that they will leave the spice and take the credits back to Moss Eisley and that the rest will follow. The pikes are confronted by an elderly human who everyone knows is Timothy Oliphant's character, Cobb Vanth, who we saw in episode one of season two of The Mandalorian. The first ever episode we did a, like, episode-by-episode breakdown for on this podcast. So good to see Mr. Oliphant back. Uh, and when I was watching it at home, I said it, and I was like, no, this is not his name. I, like, exclaimed. I was like, Chalamet? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, uh, there's only so many famous uh, Timmys and Timothys. Yes. So I understand. I mean, to be fair, the only other one I can think of is uh, Timothy Dalton, who is one of the worst James Bonds. Uh, so my point, is, my point is he got to the three. It's pretty easy to confuse the two better ones. No no offense against Timothy Dalton. I'm sure uh, he's right. a nice guy. Uh, but no, you're right. And it's uh, it was nice seeing him again. I just like seeing him in the same role in which I've seen him before. And I think you've watched it with your dad. Or your dad's watched it in, in Deadwood in the HBO series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally a pretty similar character in terms of like ever everything. So this is, it's cool because Mr. Oliphant's no stranger of, uh, you know, pretending to be literally a cowboy. It's just uh, this time he's a space marshal, space cowboy. So it's fun. <laughs> Some people call him Maurice. I was hoping you'd pick up on that. And like a good, amazing co-host, you, you fell right into my trap. But yeah, no, it, was, it was awesome. 
It's a trap. Um, <laughs> two for two. <laughs> so we get Cobb Vanth back, and I was like, okay, this is just a family reunion now. We're getting everybody. Uh, and one of the Pikes reaches for uh, their blaster in the holster, but Vanth urges him to think it through. Vanth offers to give uh, them the benefit of the doubt and say, say that they're lost. It was a you know miscommunication of direction. He warns that everything beyond them are the Mos Pelgo territories, he shows them his stripes, which indicates he is the marshal of those territories. Cobb Vanth then tells the Pikes that he is in charge of the folks in the Mos Pelgo area. He tells them that he didn't uh, see what their what was in their chest, so no laws were broken as far as he was concerned. And Cobb Vanth gives them the opportunity to load up their wares and go back to where they came from. However, the Pikes reject his offer uh, for them to walk away peacefully. They reach for their blasters, but Vanth is prepared and shoots three of them down. Pew, 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 looking like Michael Scott. Uh, and he gives the fourth one the opportunity to surrender. Cobb Vanth tells the fourth Pike Enforcer to tell them that he is aware of the syndicate and tells him to take credits back with him. He warns that anyone getting lost running spice through Mos Pelgo again will be lost forever. He tells the Pike to unload his chest and leave and to consider it a fine for trespassing. The Pike says the contents of the chest is worth more than his town. Cobb Vanth replies that he will consider retiring. What a badass. Cobb Vanth, Tom Brady, just retiring. Handshake. <laughs> uh, he watches as the Pike mounts the land speeder and leaves with a uh, Camtono of credits, uh, leaving behind the chest and his fallen associates. Vanth inspects the chest and finds that it's full of spice. He tips it over, letting the desert winds ferry it away. Speaking of Chalamet, Spice, Dune. Uh, so I wasn't all wrong there. Uh, and then we cut to, obviously, the opening and the hurrah, which I just I inject that into my veins. I love that opening for the Book of Boba Fett. Right the episode. Uh, what an awesome opening. Like, Oliphant's such a badass in this role. He's a, he's, he's kind of like one of those guys that that's I would describe him. He's not low key in terms of popularity or Hollywood status, but I think he's low key actor in terms of like he's not someone you initially think of when you think of a, like a pretty decent or a good actor. Um, but like in terms of playing like the badass gritty character, I think he does a good job because once again, in Deadwood he does a great job at that. So he's literally doing it again this time just in space. <laughs> yep, and uh, I mean. To have him back was one of those things. I was like, okay, we're we're gonna dive back into kind of how we were last week. Get into we get all this good armor. stuff. We need to crowdsource him. Yeah, gonna go fund me for some best <laughs> Need a for, Kickstarter. For, yeah, for some Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> uh, so then we uh, are reunited with Mando, Din Djarin, and his modified N one starfighter as it exits hyperspace above a green forested world. He flies the ship into the planet's atmosphere, flying above lush mountains. The ship's console buzzes, and on the ground, we we get Mandalorian canonized R2-D2. Uh, and R2 guides uh, Mando's ship to a flat area beside a river with brown water. R2-D2 beeps in binary while Din Djarin climbs out of his ship. Mando greets the R2 series astromech droid and tells him that he's looking for Luke Skywalker and has come to see the child Grogu. Now, Dylan, I know you've had your gripes with the continuous usage of Luke Skywalker, and we are massive fans of Mark Hamill on this show. Like, he is oh, one I of love, our goats. I love Mark Hamill. I just but, think he is more than just also Luke Skywalker, to put it in that right. as well. 
And when you heard Luke Skywalker's name, which I feel like after seeing Din come back last week, it was almost a foregone conclusion, obviously, and him saying, I got to go pay a visit to a little friend. Um, but you hear Luke's name, and we yeah. see a lot of Luke Skywalker in well, this episode. That's the best point. I was going to, I was going to like, uh, pop on that as well. So you basically said exactly what I was going to say. Um, I was just surprised at how much we saw of him. Mm-hmm. I, just, just for obviously, Mark Hamill's a lot older. He's not that young anymore, um, which is okay. He, look, he looks cooler now, being all wise and bearded. Grizzled. Um, and also, by the way, for anybody listening, Star Wars fans, you might hate me for this take, but the first thing I think of when I think of Mark Hamill is the Joker. Anyway. I'm just saying, I mean, because his voice as Joker is awesome. And 100%. I, I that, um, he's obviously so, obviously so Luke. But my point is, I thought we were going to see less of Luke just from a CGI deep fake. Um, although I will say the face looked a lot better. On yes, I was going to say the, the CGI like de-aging of Mark Hamill's face was way yeah, better than it was Twitter, in that finale. They hired a new guy to do the deep fake. I, and you know who the new guy is? Who is it? So there was a guy who like did his own like CGIing of it after the finale of the Mandalorian oh, season two. Yeah, they, they hired were... the guy from Twitter who did it, That's... which That's I think awesome. is awesome. Can you imagine? <laughs> you come into your, the other guy's office. Hey, um, Dave, I'm never gonna believe this, but uh, this guy, this guy Phil on Twitter, um, he's better. You're, Phil. You're... <laughs> He's better than you. Get the fuck out. <laughs> like, Filoni with his cowboy hat on. Can you imagine, though? Like, that's an interesting story on both accounts. I got a job through Twitter. And then also, I got fired because some guy on Twitter did my job better than me. And not only did you get a job through Twitter, you got a job working for Star Wars on Twitter. Yeah, Disney. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Um, so then we get R2 beeping before leading Mando down a path into a forest of bamboo-like plants. An ant droid skitters past them, and exiting the forest, they find several ant droids. Not a fan of the ant droids. Yeah, they were very weird. They were very, like, Boston droid-esque things. and Kind of creepy. Kind of creepy. Kind of giving off the same vibes as those freaking Google robots that wander around. Not a fan. And steal all our information. Yeah, not a fan. (laughs) Uh, Several ant droids start assembling a stony structure, which come to find out later is dylan's greatest prediction of all time on the show is. is uh the school which we might have to induct into our our hall of fame is the school um yeah. but r2d2 converses with the droids mando asks if this is where they are r2 enters into hibernation much to mando's frustration he instead speaks to the ant droids telling them that he is looking for skywalker <laughs> And then they build a makeshift bench while Mando asks if anyone is here or alive. The androids continue to do their work. The bench looked kind of comfy, though. It did look like it was very comfortable. Um, and then elsewhere on the green forested world, Grogu meditates with Luke Skywalker in a meadow, and he notices a passing frog and uses the force to levitate say, it into his mouth. My man still a menace when it comes to frogs. My man was hungry. Uh, and Skywalker appears to be in deep, deep in meditation, but awakes to find Grogu about to swallow the frog. He convinces Grogu to let the frog go. The frog dives into a stream, uh, and then Skywalker returns to his meditation and stretches out, uh, his right hand, which is the one that obviously got cut off, uh, causing the frogs to levitate out of the ponds. Grogu watches with awe before Skywalker lets the frogs go. Grogu was probably like, holy crap, I'm about to have a seven course meal. 
I just fact checked. So Jedi are allowed to eat meat, though. It's not like it's not like he's not allowed to eat meat. Literally, if you Google "Are Jedi vegetarian," it says while Jedi accepted the living force as a thing that touched all life, they also had to accept that as Jedi they were also part of the cycle, and thus they were free to partake in the consumption of meat and such. I mean, that's kind of actually that makes more sense because that's kind of harping on the fact that like you can't really have attachments as a Jedi. Yeah, and so, I viewed it kind of, and and Luke brought it up later in the episode when he's talking to Ahsoka, and is like, sometimes I question if his heart's in it. Like, I viewed it as like Grogu wasn't fully like paying attention and like doing oh, his yeah. training. That's what no. I took away from it. Yeah. Um, and then all those frogs start flying. Grogu was probably like, "Come on, man, I'm hungry." That's like when you're in class and like your next period is lunch. And your teacher is just holding you back and making you finish he, your work before you even, go to lunch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's w- well said. But even though he's, um, for his race, he's the age of like 50, 53, whatever, 55, he's still only like five or six or right. four or whatever for human age. So he's so we have to be, be mindful. <laughs> Luke's out here making this little kid get shot and starve jacks and run and crawl. And he's like, why are you listening to me? <laughs> <laughs> Grogu's like, oh look, a butterfly. <laughs> I think he's the, the, the little kid. So then he invites Grogu for a walk through the bamboo forest. Skywalker tells Grogu that he reminds him of Yoda. Was adding a bunch that- of a walk, lazy ass. He got carried. <laughs> Grogu was like jumping too. That was great. Uh, oh, when he when he tried the jump and he just didn't do anything. <laughs> And then he adds that Yoda was small like him, but that he had a huge heart and that the force was strong in him. Skywalker recounts that Yoda once said that, quote, size matters not. Yoda was about the motion of the ocean. Uh, He explains that Yoda spoke in riddles and asks if anyone spoke like that back at Grogu's home. He asks Grogu if he remembers his home. Grogu remains still with a sad (laughs) expression. What's with Dave Filoni and uh, just, he, you want to see the Purge again? You want to see it? God, man. Skywalker asks if Grogu would like to remember his uh, remember and rest his palm on his head. Grogu experiences a vision of Jedi defending the Jedi Temple against the 501st Legion during the Jedi Purge. Grogu witnesses clone troopers gunning down his defenders. They advance toward him before all fades out. When Grogu emerges... By the way, yes. I hope they elaborate more. I think they will, but I don't know. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, Grogu emerges from the flashback. Skywalker warns him that the galaxy can be a dangerous place. He promises to teach Grogu to defend himself, and the two reflect on the nearby hills. And for the people at home who don't know what the Jedi Purge is, the Order sixty six. Yeah. Um, if you've seen the third movie with Hayden Christensen and company, there's literally the scene in which. Emperor Palpatine, the senator, comes on and says, execute Order 66. And then all the clones go, right away, sir. And then they just murder a bunch of, you know, space wizards. It is the ultimate fuck them kids moment. I I didn't even get to that part, but yeah, also, yeah, Anakin Anakin does say fuck them kids. (laughs) Um, This is why I wonder how Grogu got out. Sorry to cut you off, just because he's obviously very little there, so someone had to carry him away or save him it looked like he was Which in a crib you, you and i have both watched clone wars and it's phenomenal and we've recommended to everybody at home that listens to star wars content from us watch star wars clone wars like the animated series mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to think of like who could have gotten him out. Like some people back. may think maybe like one of the janitors or like the Jedi guards. Also, maybe that maybe that librarian lady from that one episode. Maybe or also could just be a random Jedi because you got to think that the whole the whole city of Coruscant it's like a space it's like a floating city mm-hmm. and and in, in some senses where like some things are so my point is like maybe there's like a hatch and a Jedi just literally eated Grogu out and hope for the best. You know what I mean? Like there could it, it might not be poetic. It might not be like someone you know, dropped him off at the nursery or the fire department doorstep. They could have just force pushed him out a door and been like, good luck, little buddy. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? What if it was Mace Windu? Ooh. Although Mace Windu got yeeted out of the Coruscant building. No, By was then? It, was it, it was before Order 66, right? Or no, after. Oh, fuck after, that. I think. It would be would've... really cool. It would definitely no. It might have been after, but because the four Jedi left the temple, I believe to go. Because the ones defending Grogu, it looked like Qui Gon, but he's but was, dead. Yeah, a young Obi Wan, maybe. Nah, I don't think it was any Jedi's we know, or if it is ones we know, it's gonna be like background ones you saw in Clone Wars, yeah. like guys that had like an episode or two. Kit Fisto, <laughs> the Oof. goat. R.I.P. No, Kit dies to um. Ember Poppin. Yeah. R.I.P. the goat. It's him, Mace Windu, the one dude with like horns, and then mm-hmm. the other alien race are the ones that attack. They're all master all, all giant masters that attack yeah. Ember Poppin. Um either way, Mace Windu wanna be cool. I just I, I think it's gonna yeah, be I forget. We'll see. The character that I like from the video game, um uh Cal, because he's on a ship when or sixty six happened. Yeah, and I don't and what's his name was after Order 66, uh, Ezra from yeah. uh, Rebels, who a lot of people are thinking is inevitable for live action, which I agree with. We all know the traditional Big Four sports, and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest-growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. I agree. He's not young enough. He fits into the new timeline of like young adults and the new post yeah. everything star wars um so then meanwhile mando is resting on his bench benches uh when he is startled by ahsoka tano uh and this is why everybody wants to call it grogu and friends uh tano explains that she is an old fa- friend of the family to right in the Luke's fields tower, right in the fields uh when mando recalls that tano said that she would not be training grogu ahsoka clarifies that master luke is training him uh mando asks what she's doing here prompting her to ask him the same question and then mando tells her that he is here to see the kid soka explains that what that is why r2d2 led him to her the astromech droid beeps in binary and then when mando asks about the place uh ahsoka replies that this is nothing that it's nothing now but that one day it will be a great dylan mazola prediction on a podcast a great school (laughs) 
I'm still. I will never get over that prediction. That is one of the funniest things of all time. I, dude, I was so, I was so, uh, like for it too. Like I wasn't. It wasn't just a throw shit at the wall. Like I was, I was. You know what I mean? I was putting all my marbles in that one, and it came out. And you nailed it. She adds that Grogu will be uh, its first student, and when she said that, I was like, oh no, because <laughs> we all know what happens to the school, this particular school. Brain blast. Oh boy. He has, he has, he has armor now. It's literally gonna oh, be. Oh It's shit. literally gonna be. We're gonna see little Grogu get if if he doesn't leave. Right. See, if he stays, we're gonna see Grogu get stabbed or slashed, and he's not gonna, like the, all the other students might not know he has the armor. Mm-hmm. So Kylo Ren's is gonna be like, Ugh! and he's gonna think he killed him. But he's not gonna die. And this is obviously assuming that, which we'll get into later. He takes yeah, both. Yeah, if, if 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 he stays. But my point is, I just thought of that, and I hope that's oh, right. Oh shit, that's so good. Why make um, chainmail? Uh, you never yeah. watched Lord of the Rings, but basically, long story short, one of the hobbits gets chainmail like that, and it happens early on, and you forget about it. And then homeboy later in the series gets stabbed by a big ass sword, and then you're sweating bullets, and you're like, wait, he's got chainmail, and he doesn't <laughs> die. Okay. Why give a character chainmail if he's not gonna get stabbed? Just saying. Or I was I was hoping that in that little thing it was just gonna be a Grogu helmet, <laughs> like a Mandalorian helmet with just giant. That's all a meme. Best guard ears. Someone had a chain. I was hoping it would be a chain, like some some drip. <laughs> his name Grogu. Found little foundling. <laughs> little man. Little Mando. Young Mando. Young Mando in the club. <laughs> hey, yo, it's Young Mando and, and Sea Breezy in the cut. Oh, man. Uh, so then we get uh, Ahsoka warning Mando uh, that his attachment to Grogu would be difficult to let go of. Um, yeah. You know, she told him about that. And Mando explains that Grogu was a Mandalorian foundling, little foundling. He's doing his... everything but being honest to her. Yeah. In his care that he just wants to make sure that he's safe. Ahsoka responds that there is no place in the galaxy safer than being with Luke. Uh, Grogu questions Ahsoka's uh, decision to let Skywalker train the child when she wouldn't... Or, I'm sorry, Mando questions Ahsoka's decision to let Skywalker train the child when she wouldn't. Ahsoka exhales sharply and explains that it was Grogu's choice, adding that she does not control the wants of others. Mando responds that it is his choice to go and see him. Ahsoka agrees to respect Mando's decisions... Uh, and motions to a hill where Skywalker is seated with Grogu. Mando says, all right. Tano asks him to consider if he is doing it for Grogu or just himself. Mando replies that he just wants to give him a Beskar armor, uh, which he explains that belongs to Grogu by right. Tano uh, suggests that Grogu may be a Padawan now, and Mando reasons that this armor will protect him regardless of whether he chooses the Jedi or Mandalorian paths. Soka asks Mando to consider letting her deliver it to him, and Mando replies that he came all this way to see Grogu. Soka understands that Grogu misses him a great deal, but warns that seeing him will only make things more difficult for him, and Mando acquiesces to Ahsoka's offer and hands the Beskar armor over to her and asks Ahsoka to make sure Grogu is protected. I was like, geez, it's way too early in the morning for all these feels. <laughs> yeah, it's also... Way too early for them to go. That's why I'm hoping things change. We'll talk about it a little, little, a little bit. I'm hoping the whole, like old way, the Jedi thinking, 
stops being carried on. Like, mm-hmm. I keep seeing like post about it, like fan made s stuff, but it's kind of true. It, like they pe- people are posting like a drawn uh, aged Grogu, like obviously well after uh, Din's dead, because you know Grogu's gonna live to like eight hundred and twelve. Yeah, uh, but our boy Din's gonna live to like ninety. Uh, maybe even less. He's been taking a lot of hits recently, so who knows? Um, and it's just Grogu like talking about how Jedi's should be able to have attachments, but you have to accept that people are going to die and you're going to lose the attachments. It's kind of relevant because you see Luke Skywalker or Anakin Skywalker. The whole reason he turns bad is because he can't let go of his attachments and he fears losing them. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're a Jedi, I mean, theoretically, couldn't if you know your like wife's going to die. Or not life. Whoops, not supposed to have those. If your loved ones are going to die, um, but you accept that, then there's no going to the dark side. So my point is maybe that's like a plot point they'll explore with Grogu. Like he's able to dive into both worlds, which mm-hmm. also ties in the later. I don't know. We'll see. But that's something to explore, hopefully. So then meanwhile, we get uh, Luke carrying Grogu in a backpack and places him down in the middle of a clearing. We get Luke doing front flips and back flips and all types of stuff with Grogu in a backpack. Well, the backflip is legit a throwback to the yes. uh, the older movie. Well, the whole scene is really mm-hmm. yeah. super cool throwback. Um, going through the the bamboo woods and jumps on a living creature. Luke Skywalker. Yeah, that was said, great. He said, "Screw this monster bear, whatever it was, moose." I don't know. Then the two meditate as the wind blows, and Skywalker tells Grogu that he will find balance through the Force. Uh, and late, later, Skywalker takes Grogu to the riverside while Grogu rests on a branch. This was the funniest part. Like, Grogu just trying to stand, like, on a balance beam almost on one foot. I was cracking up vehemently the entire time. <laughs> uh, dude, but, I like that part. I also like a little bit later when he's just laying on the rock. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just, like, trying to balance and then it falls. <laughs> and it's like, oh, Grogu, get up. Oh, my boy. Um... Oh, that's that's my boy. Oh no, my boy. Oh, my boy. <laughs> and then uh Luke whips out the the training remote. <laughs> Dude, that's a callback too. And just shoots at Grogu. I'm like, "Bro, he's a kid." Dude, Grogu looks very like, "Whoa, what the what the what the hell?" He was like, "What am I doing?" <laughs> Cuz Grogu rolls it a thing and it's a ball and like when he put it down, I was like, Grogu likes balls. No, not in that way, but he could. Who knows? Uh, but, like, we've seen, like, the the knob from the the Razor Crest. And that's still trying to, I think, reiterate the fact that I said, what, 10 minutes ago, that he's still very much a child. Right. He has infant mindset. He's distracted by a frog. He wants to eat the frog, which, I mean, I guess that makes sense. And he also wants to play with like spherical objects. Like he's very much a three to five year old human yeah. child. If you were to convert it, he rolls it like he's like, "Did I do it right?" And looks like, "No, you dumbass." <laughs> Dude, it, he like it's funny because you listen to this episode. Luke's like babying him, but also I guess I guess this is good parenting. He's like babying him, but he's also being like stern as shit. And he's like, "No, this is this is how it's done." And he like right? turns it on and it shoots him, and then he's like. <laughs> Dodge it next time, bro. You're too slow. So like, then uh, Ahsoka hands off the uh, the gift to Luke to give to Grogu Ooh. and everything. And that was a cool scene. Also, that was really cool. It's also cool to note why uh, Luke's being a bad uh, stepfather. Um, that Grogu learned how to be a fucking ninja. <laughs> 
randomly. <laughs> that boy, that boy got feared into some some parkour. Right. Uh, so then uh, Ahsoka says that Luke is just like his father, and I was like, oh. Uh, and when Skywalker asked what he should do about Grogu, since he's not sure about his commitment to being a Jedi, Ahsoka counsels him to trust his instincts while Grogu rests on that rock. And when Skywalker asks if he will see her again, Ahsoka replies perhaps and bids uh, that the Force be with him, which is interesting for Ahsoka, obviously, if you've watched the animated series. Uh, Skywalker reflects... Uh, reflects on the Beskar armor and Grogu resting on the rock. And then uh, we get back to business as Mando flies the N1 Starfighter back to Tatooine into a hangar of Boba's palace. A Gamorrean guard greets him with an axe as he climbs out of the Starfighter and he explains... Ever. Dude, all he has to say is... 100%. Oh, Fennec Shand sent me. I'm here at the request of Fennec Shand. The guard's like, yo, man, you vow, let him in. Let him in. Like, bro, you want to see some papers? In a briefing room, Fennec Shan briefs the mods, Boba Fett, Black Kersantan, and Mox Shays' major domo uh, about the mobilization of the Pike Syndicate forces. Mox Shays has fled off-world. Uh, and uh, Shan... Actually, it's a scheduled vacation. It's a scheduled vacation. Why Get it right. That guy should be Rancar food. Yeah, I was surprised that he was there. Um, Alive. Fennec believes that the storm is about to break, and the Major Domo claims that it was a scheduled vacation, uh, but a Gamorrean growls at him. Fennec Shand shows off a holographic map of where the Pikes are gathering based on whispers. Uh, <laughs> the three crime families of Mas Espa are willing to lay low and let Pikes let the Pikes stake claim on their territory. She introduces Mando, uh, and Shand says that uh, Mando and Black Kersantan will provide enough experienced muscle to serve as enforcer, enforcers. She compliments the mods for surveying the streets, and Fennec Shan recognizes that they lack the numbers to help out in a full-out war and says that they need reinforcements. Mando offers to help recruit those reinforcements. Uh, and later, Mando circles a sand crawler carrying a skull. Here. I got nervous. If you listen to the show, you know this part. Kyle and I don't like these little guys, all right? So I was nervous for a hot second. I was like, Dave Filoni, because Din does speak Jawa a little bit. So I was like, oh, no, uh, he's going to recruit the help of these little guys. <laughs> then I was like, maybe it's okay, because if they die helping, I won't care. But then we're good. You're just waving to them, you know. Yes. So they're carrying the skull of a crate dragon. Nice little callback to last yes. uh, Mandalorian season. In his N1 Starfighter, several Jawas watch and chatter in Jawaese. <laughs> that is what it is officially called here. Uh, and they're just like waiting. Like, <laughs> no, what they're doing is they're trying to like, they're like, I want to I wanna steal from that. <laughs> he lands a starship in Mos Pelgo, and Mando is greeted by Deputy Sheriff Scott, who tells him to park his ship elsewhere. Mando Dude, responds, guy. what a fucking loser. <laughs> I said same, same energy. I'm sure. I'm sure anybody listening right now, if you know yourself, or you probably know someone who's been pulled over by a cop uh, straight, straight out of the academy, and is that not what we saw on screen? My big loser eager, energy. My man's eager to write this parking ticket. <laughs> he said, "I'm ready to get my quota started." Uh, Starship, sir. Thor, you're going to have to move that starship. Um, so then Mando responds that he has business with Cobb Vanth, who agrees to meet with Mando. C 
Cobb Vanth explains uh, that Scott is new and a bit jumpy. He takes an interest in Mando's N1 Starfighter. And then uh, Mando remarks that he hasn't seen Cobb Vanth since he has given up his armor and asks how he had been. And Cobb Vanth says he's more careful and asks about Grogu. Mando replies uh, that Grogu is back with his own folk. And Cobb Vanth observes that both of them have lost something that they are fond of. And then Mando offers to buy him a drink. Shout out T-Pain at the cantina. (laughs) And inside the cantina, Mando tells Cobb Vanth that he needs him to lead a garrison since his people are good fighters and that there is enough money to hire them. Cobb Vanth explains that his people don't want to fight ever since they've taken out that great dragon. And Mando replies that Mos Pelgo may be safe for now, but that they are part of the same planet. And Mando says that they need good people to fight or the spice is bound to come through these parts. Cobb Vance says that as long as that he is here, uh, this is not a problem. And he asks why his people should risk their lives for Boba Fett. Mando reiterates that Mos Pelgo might be good for now. And a weak way reminds uh, Mando that the town is now called Freetown, adding that it suits them better. Uh, Mando reminds Cobb Vance that he fought alongside the citizens of Freetown and that they are brave people. He explains that Boba Fett's forces are outnumbered by the Pike Syndicate and that they need their help. The Weequay responds uh, that the town wants no parts of the city folk fight, and Mando asks Cobb Vanth if he agrees. Vanth replies that the two of them are even, and Mando asks if Vanth is still someone who won't back down in the face of bullies. Vanth remarks that uh, he likes Mando's big smile, which lets him get away with anything. Uh, Mando says there's no easy way to ask for a favor, and Cobb Vance says that things are tough in Freetown, but that he will see what he can do. Mando later leaves in his N1 Starfighter, and Cobb Vance tells the Weequay to assemble all the men and women of fighting age for a meeting in the town hall. The Weequay thinks this dispute between Fett and the Pikes is not their problem, but Vance tells them that the people may change their minds after they hear what he has to say. Okay. Now, before we keep going, what do you think he was going to say? Because we never, obviously get that what do you think Cobb was gonna say yeah i think he was just gonna go along the lines of like mando is right um i because i guarantee you he probably didn't tell most of the town folk if any that he murked the three or four mm-hmm. well the three out of the four that were trespassing because there was no evidence really you, you right. gotta think tatooine's a brutal ass place those bodies were probably eaten by some weird sand creature and the ship and the spice and the money was gone so if anything his villagers would just see three dead bodies and they'd be like meh um so he's probably just gonna tell like be honest be like yo i already like capped three of them <laughs> like yeah they're kind of a menace um he's he's probably he's well enough connected in terms of like news he's probably heard other stories of other marshals or even like crime syndicates complaining about the uh the syndicate um, and I think he was just going to kind of just kind of reiterate the point that Mando is right, unfortunately, and they're going to have to fight again. And also, I like to point out that he might Mando might have gone to another character if she didn't get herself canceled for help. At this, mm, I didn't at this even think of that at this point uh, because she was in charge of her own town. Uh, That's true. So. Granted, this was a little closer being the same planet. Uh, and also, now to the next point. I'm not going to say it. I'll let Kyle do the honors. But did you know right away when you saw the outline? Because immediately I knew who it was. I didn't at first. It took me like one look back to Timothy Oliphant. And then and then that's when I was sitting in my house by myself at like noon today. And audibly exclaimed, 
Dave Filoni fucking did the thing! Uh, which we're going to get into in just a second, but... I also was thinking, like, you brought up some homegirl that got herself cancelled. I really hope next week we see Bill Burr. I think he's just... I think he's I think he's gone, dude. I think he's just... I don't know! Bill Burr, like, he, he talked for so long about how Star Wars, like, fans are, like, absolute nerds and losers. And then has showed up in Star Wars a ton of times now with The Mandalorian. I just like Bill Burr's character, and it would be very fun to see him back. Oh, I agree. I I, I agree fullheartedly. I think you could see, but I think I think what we have is what we have for next episode. Just, just being that we only have one episode left, and they're gonna have to really make it work because even the episode's longer in like an hour, an hour and ten minutes. We're gonna we're, they're gonna have an epic conclusion to what's been brewing. Uh, I think we could see a couple more characters, and we'll get into it. Yes, I, I do think the one's going to come in. My point is, I think it'll be characters that make sense to be there. Yeah. Bill, as much as I would agree with you, Bill's better character would make sense to be I there. think if they bring him, it's going to be one of those things where, like, you know, when they show people, like, lined up and, like, all in, like, a row or, like, kind of, like, huddled together, he'll just be in the huddle. Gotcha. Um, so Cobb Van sees a lone figure with a hat approaching Freetown from the desert. Cowboy hat. Sensing trouble, Cobb Van tells a woman named Joe... To have the people evacuate inside. When Joe asks if something is wrong, Cobb Vanth says he hopes not, but that it is better to err on the side of safety. Cobb Vanth walks out to front the stranger while the citizens evacuate. Deputy Scott asks what is going on, but Vanth says he will handle it. He tells the deputy to head inside while he faces down the stranger, who turns out to be a blue Duros named Cad Bane. And, uh, no, it wasn't Clint Eastwood. <laughs> it was Cad Bane. Oh, dude, when I saw Cad Bane walk up, which we have talked about for the past couple of weeks, like, do you think we could see Cad Bane in live action in this show? Or when do you think we'd see him in live action? And when he showed up and he's just got his head down, you see, like, the, the pipes hanging out. Oh, my God, dude. I was so hyped. Shout out to Dave Filoni for being an absolute goat introducing a character dylan and i have wanted to see in live action for the better part of like a year plus and it makes sense uh that he's in the show because last time him and boba fett squared off one of them shot the other one in the head yes so there is much of a grudge and that and that also makes sense why the dialogue is cad bane explaining how much boba fett is a piece of shit which is just ironic because cad bane is just as much such a big piece of shit and it's great because we see he hasn't changed at all. He's still doing it. He's still going. And like for this to just happen, like on our podcast announcement anniversary, like I was like, Dave Filoni's a goat. Like this is just so great. I like, guarantee, yeah, dude. I guarantee if they paid him more, he'd probably flip sides. That's the kind of guy he is. Yep. Like we, Dylan and I have obviously in the past talked uh, at nauseum about Mephisto, Michael Fassbender, Stranger Things. Cad Bane is, like, in that category for us. He's definitely in there. I mean, he's probably... Not probably. He is one of the better characters in the Clone Wars uh, series. I, mm -hmm. I'd even go as far to rank him in, like, my top five or ten in that show. Easy. Easy top five, I'd say. Just because of how... Ironically, all the cool characters now are the bad guys. Like, the whole Savage Oppress and, uh, like, um, uh, Darth Maul arc. Mm -hmm. Him, Cad Bane. You know what I mean? It's just... It's, it's cool. Zero the Hut! No... <laughs> He didn't get. He didn't. He didn't make the top hundred. Uh, <laughs> Actually, no. He didn't make the top like a million. I'll name all the clones like B one eight, B one four, B one seven. They're all. They're all cooler than that. Uh. So then, Cad Bane addresses Cobb Vanth, and Vanth asks who he is. 
Bane replies that whatever Boba Fett is paying him, that uh, he'll match. And all he has to do is, you know, just go away. And he tells Vant that all they have to do is stay put and stay out. Deputy Scott says the marshal is not for sale. I said, motherfucker, if you don't go inside. <laughs> I was like, bro, these guys are having, like, these guys are having the biggest you-know-what contest right now. Like, don't. Don't ruin intervene. this. Let the men, let the macho dudes, let the cowboys. Let them whip it out on the table and do the damn thing. Out. They're staring. This is classic, classic Western gunfight. I was waiting for a tumbleweed or right? to roll in. These guys are getting ready Clint Eastwood style to go high noon and draw their pieces, the revolvers, and shoot each other. And you have Sparky over here. Complaining about parking tickets. Not right. really, but like he's just talking. Like, he's gonna be on desk duty now. You clearly aren't the main character, and we see like 18 seconds later, you ain't you ain't shit. Yeah. Uh <laughs> so Vance sighs and asks the stranger for his name. The stranger faces Vanth with his red eyes, and when I saw those eyes, dude, the way they did Cad Bane in live action. Show. The mouth, the teeth, it was like a the teeth, the just appendages on him, the the outfit. And then the eyes and the face. And the same voice actor. What a job well done. It just it is. I was like wondering how they were going to execute, like bringing Cad Bane into live action, bringing it to life. 11 out of 10. Just a phenomenal job. Yeah, I agree. Um, my man's so badass. He just walked out of thin air in the, in the desert. He just appeared on screen. He was like, I'm going to walk really slow but fast. Uh, and I heard Eric Voss say this on uh, New Rockstar's Wookiee Leaks uh, podcast. He said, I was never afraid of Cobb Vanth in the animated series. He's terrifying in live action. I couldn't agree more. Of Cobb Vanth or Cad Bane? Or Cad Bane, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah Cad I Bane. I was like, I was like, Cobb's in the animated series? I was like, yo, that's crazy. I don't remember that. Yeah, uh, he was like, I was never afraid of Cad Bane in the animated series. But See, he's I terrifying that, now. But I also disagree because I put myself in like I whenever I watch something, I think I think you do it too, right? We, we, you and I both try to put ourselves like oh yeah, hundred percent. I put myself in the mind of like an average person in the animated show, and Cad Bane's scary. But he, but the guy's right. I mean, in live action, he's even more terrifying. He's terrifying. I mean, he's just he's got like shark teeth. Oh, he's so got good. he's like tubes running in him, and. I hope we see it next week, Kyle. I know you're going to bring it up. I hope he's got his jetpack feet things. <laughs> um, we saw he had his revolver. He had the hat. He had the same exact outfit. So I, I would assume. Also, mind you, this guy's like 60 or 70 at this point. <laughs> so and this boy. is a Dave Filoni-like character. Like, we knew something big was going to pop off this week because Dave Filoni directed this episode. And, man, did it deliver. Um, so then the stranger faces... Uh, Vanth with his red eyes, warning him to be careful where he sticks his nose. Cobb Vanth asks if he is threatening him, and then uh, the stranger replies that Boba Fett is a cold-blooded killer who worked with the Galactic Empire. Vanth tells him uh, to tell the Pikes that this planet is closed for business since it has seen enough violence. The stranger remarks that Vanth should have never given up his armor, which is very interesting that he brought that up because it's like, okay, how did he know that like Cobb Vanth had the armor? Um, the two men face each other while the deputy eyes the situation nervously and reaches for his blaster. A shootout breaks out, uh, and Bane shooting Cobb Vanth and gunning down Deputy Sheriff 
several times. And mind you, the deputy being so anxious, in my opinion, is what sparks the shootout to happen. It was probably it was going to happen inevitably, um, but I do think it was the big blank contest, and, to, and they were just staring each other down because both of them, it, the camera very clearly fixates that both of them were not budging. They were like they were very clearly just sitting there waiting for the other to make a move, which is kind of similar, uh, and it's kind of a callback to real life when you did a draw in the West. Um, some guys would, would wait until the other made the move. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd be considered a coward if you drew first at times. Especially if you drew, if you drew I mean, <laughs> Greedo. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, um, but the deputy's so antsy and, uh, you know, he carried the same energy from the parking ticket earlier and that got him killed. And I was talking to Kyle off camera. Uh, it shows uh, Vanth getting shot in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally do not think he's dead because the deputy gets shot two or four times. That's in that median. Um, he's definitely dead. The villagers immediately run over to Vanth and apply what appears to be medical aid, or they're at least tending the wound. Mm-hmm. Um, if he was like dead, dead, why, I mean, why would they like touch him like that? I also think this is important because Cad Bane is low key a genius, and he ain't even he's not, not even intentional. Because the villagers didn't want to fight, and now they have their martyr. Yep, and martyr, that is I guess, technically true. And then, uh, as Van flies on the ground, Cad Bane says that Tatooine belongs to the Pike Syndicate. Which, going back to the beginning of the episode, and we heard Syndicate, we should have known our boy Cad Bane was on the way because he obviously has worked for the Syndicate. In Syndicate, this all ties to Amelia Clark's character in Solo and Darth Maul. Yes. <laughs> Which I think you and I both agree that's where next week is going, which we'll get into. Um, But as long as the spice is running, he says that everyone will be left alone. The stranger walks into the wilderness while the townsfolk attend to the wounded cop Vanth. So they do say it isn't. They say wounded, not killed. So you are right, Dylan, with that one. Nice. Everybody at home knows Dylan's always right. Uh, The weak way. (laughs) The weak way watches with concern, who is the bartender. And then, meanwhile, two Pike enforcers visit Garsafwip's sanctuary cantina. They sit at a table, and they are served by a protocol droid. The Max Rebo band plays while the two Twi'lek staff offer to take their helmets for a clean. The Pikes brush them aside before leaving the cantina, and the protocol droid warns them that they have forgotten their Camtono. The Camtono turns out to be a bomb and damages the cantina. And when that happened, I was like, holy shit. Okay. I don't know about you. I know about me. Um, I, I, w- I wasn't sure where the scene was going, um, but immediately when they refused to get their helmets filled, I knew, I knew something were, was shady. I knew they were there for a shady reason, and then when they didn't didn't get the drinks, I immediately knew that it was a bomb. And then, like, three seconds later, it shows them forgetting, and then the one character's like, wait, you forgot your... And I'm like, yep, that's literally text. And boom goes the dynamite. You forgot your book bag, or you forgot your briefcase. You know? Yeah, dead. <laughs> as long as Max Rebo's still alive, I'm okay. Can't kill off Max. That's true. His, his music needs to live on. Everyone Back else on tour, that, like... the Everyone band, else in that establishment could have perished as long as... The Max Rebo band, band lives on. And Kyle and I, we're, we're all gravy. We go, uh, so then... And, I mean, I kind of get down with Garza Flip. I think she's a cool cat. Um, but as long as the Max Rebo band is okay, I just need Max to show up next week and be be jamming. Uh, so then at Skywalker's newly built Jedi Temple, 
He presents uh, Mando's gift to Grogu. He unwraps the red cloth, revealing a Beskar chain shirt. Uh, and Skywalker explains that the Mandalorian wanted him to have the chain shirt, which he lays on the carpet before Grogu takes it. Skywalker tells him that he will give him a choice. He shows Grogu Yoda's lightsaber and offers it to him. Skywalker tells Grogu that he must choose only one. If he chooses the armor, he will return to Mando. However, Skywalker warns that he will be given... Uh, he will be giving into attachment for those that he loves, forsaking the way of the Jedi. If he chooses the lightsaber, Skywalker promises that he will be the first student in his academy and that he will train him to be a great Jedi. Skywalker says that it will take him many years to master the ways of the Force and that he may never see the Mandalorian again. He explains that a short time for Grogu may be a lifetime for someone else. Grogu coos while he considers uh, choosing between the two objects and the paths they entail. Skywalker asks Grogu, which does he choose? And then we cut to credits. And I was like, come on, man. Um, what an episode. Just so much into it. It was so well executed, so well done. Dave Filoni's the GOAT. Um, Cad Bane is here. Dylan and I's dream come true. Yeah. This episode was just so good start to finish with everything. And it's just a perfect penultimate episode to lead into next week's uh season finale which we're gonna see a war essentially we're going to war baby cad bane leading leading going down with the pikes i think we're gonna see uh what was it uh what was the group that darth maul was ahead of that amelia clark right it was the crime syndicate oh he was he was ahead of Oh my god, we might see Boba Fett die. Uh, no, he was ahead of all the crime, I believe, like all the families. Like he's ahead of all the crime on Tatooine. I think that's what it's, it's insinuated for the crime syndicate. Yeah, what was the name of that? I also, I don't know about you, but like every every once in a while, there comes a bad guy in like movies or TV shows that you like low key like root for. Like you know, under your breath, they like they kill, they like don't die, and they like accomplish something, and you're like. Oh my god, yay. Crimson Dawn. Crimson Dawn. Uh, my point of that is Cad Bane's that character where, like, if he marks a good guy, a char- like a hero, I'll be upset. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah. Damn, yeah. son. I'm like, yo, that, that my blue boy. That my blue. Which I, like, I, I saw something pretty. I saw something pretty interesting after last week's episode. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Uh, the armor we obviously were reunited with after a long hiatus with Crimson Dawn and like all of the Mandalorian in the uh, the animated series in Clone Wars who were part of Death Watch. They wore like red, had the horns on their helmets and everything. You think she's do, you, part of it? do you think the armor could have been part of Death Watch? And that's why she hates uh, what's her face? Uh, Bo-Katan? That could be. Um, it's also because their family family lineages come from opposing houses. I mean, her, Abogatan, and then Favreau's character all come mm-hmm. from different houses that did different things. The armors comes from the family that made the dark saber, in which it was the first Jedi slash Mandalorian. Well, the only one really until right. hopefully maybe Grogu. Um, and then what's his face? Favreau's character comes from the 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 the, 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 the extremist part of it and then bo katan kind of comes from the extremist but her family also ruled it for a while but they were the family that was ruling when it got destroyed mm-hmm. as in destroyed being as in mandalore so it's like they're all kind of doing their own thing and that makes sense it's kind of like 
I, don't, I hate to compare it to this, but it is kind of like a, like a Game of Thrones or like a Lord of the Rings in terms of like houses. Like, you know, we don't like this house because of this. And that's kind of how Mandalore worked in, in essence. Um, we all united under like one ruler, but they all had different agendas. And I think that just kind of plays into this. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, that, yeah, I, I do agree. They probably don't like each other. And that's just multitude of reasons. They're also, as we know, there really isn't that many Mandalorians left. I mean, there's like literally five that we know it's the three people like with Bo-Katan and her, and her two uh, followers. And then <laughs> the armor and then John Favreau's <laughs> Mandalorian, which I want to bring this up to, since he was in this episode, I think it's pretty funny. Uh, this coming from Esquire, Sebastian Stan says he's still down to play Luke Skywalker quote, never say never. And uh, there's a YouTube video linked and says Sebastian Stan quote, I call Mark every Christmas to tell him, just want you to know I'm around. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so cool. That's a, that's a good little Easter egg and an awesome like real life event. Which would be, I I would be cool to see that if they ever needed to like do stuff with Luke Skywalker again in some capacity. Like I think the last bit of Luke Skywalker we're ever going to get in Star Wars is the school. And seeing all that go to, like, that's the last, like, bit of gray area involving Luke Skywalker. So I feel like if they ever do anything with that, like, use Smash and Stan. Yeah, or uh, just stop using the character. Again, the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GetInTheWholePod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> Valid. Just saying, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, this episode, you and I both big fans. We're going to we're going to give our. Uh, our ratings for it, Dylan. Where does your uh, rating sit for Chapter Six of the Book of Boba Fett that got ten seconds of screen time for our boy Boba Fett? Nine point two. Which for everybody at home watching live, that is high. And I think it's just so high because a I like Timothy Olyphant, uh, b uh, Cabane, and c uh, Cabane, and uh, d Cabane, and uh, e. Uh, my one theory, I said off camera with Kyle, I said, and Kyle confirmed this, a little sneaky boy, I said it would be cool if it's like a 2v2, Mando, Boba versus Bosk and Cad Bane, and then Kyle was like, hmm, let me go on IMDB, and then he was like, clickety-clackety-clickety, hmm, there's a certain actor that's credited for one episode, and we only have one episode left for the show, so I'm giving it a high score, because I'm anticipating Bosk is going to be in next week. Yeah, we're going to war next week. This episode for me gets like a 9-7. That's awesome. Like, yeah. this, the, you know, actually, don't want to, because I think the highest I gave, no, overall series grade was it. Yeah, I'm mean, in this episode of 9-7. This yeah, episode was talk about it. Talk fucking about it. awesome. Like, from top to bottom, like, it's, it's Grogan Friends. Like, you get everything that we've seen from the live-action TV shows of Star Wars over the past couple of years. And 
it was just loaded with so much content from start to finish yeah, that no, it felt like a full story was told in this episode. And that's just a credit to Dave Filoni. Plus, he delivered one of our most anticipated characters in Star Wars live action history, and that's Cad Bane. He's here. He's ready to rock and roll. I can't wait to see what they continue to do with this character for as long as he's around. And uh, yeah, this episode gets a 9-7 for me. I was completely like satisfied beyond belief with this one and for the people at home some quick math here overall this episode gets an average rating of 9.5 from myself and dylan so chapter six of the boba Bo book of boba fett that featured two seconds of boba fett uh <laughs> we're gonna go to war next week more than likely and we can't wait uh and now we dive into uh Everybody's favorite song and dance. Dylan hit hit more of this dance for the people. <laughs> Not yet. Give them some of the arm motions. It's like a Richard <laughs> Simmons workout video. We gotta we gotta we gotta keep it on wraps, dude. It is our Peacemaker episode five review, powered by Pickup, and uh, this is one of Dylan's favorite shows in a very long time. Dylan, oh. episode five delivered in a lot of ways. You said oh, my life. You said at the top of the show, like, this is one of your, this is, like, the best episode, potentially, of the season so far. Talk to the people. Talk to me. How, what, how did you feel about this one? Um, I personally enjoyed this episode a lot. Uh, I think the last two episodes are probably the best episodes so far. I think you probably agree with that, too. I think four and five are probably the best episodes. Um, oh, before you keep going, though, it is brought to you by our friends at Pickup. Go to playpickup.com. Start playing the hottest headlines in sports. I had a meeting with our friends at Pickup today, Dylan. Awesome. There is uh, lots of fun stuff on the way for... It, it is like perfect timing for us getting set for YouTube and, and all the video content we do. Um, so stay tuned. Go to playpickup.com. Start playing the hottest headlines in sports and hopefully very soon pop culture. Like That would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, you, you rack up points on your fan profile. Cash them in for prizes. Playpickup.com. Uh, but yeah, talk to the people, Dylan. I... I just generally think the show is escalating. Uh, I think my theories are correct. It's confirmed it. Excuse me. Uh, we know that the dad is going to try to kill his son. He gets out of jail in this episode. Um, so that that's as an arc in itself. I mean, they just let out a neo-Nazi. Uh, the, the the one detective, the female lead detective, is on this. <laughs> she's she's on a war path. Uh, the other detective's kind of on all our on all our sides, and it's kind of like, yeah, he may have not done it, but do we really want to let him out? Um, so that's interesting, and I, I just like the way they're going. This episode was a lot more action, and you saw a lot of character development from uh, John Cena and Peacemaker. Um, personally, I, I don't know about you, but I enjoyed that. I liked seeing the bond between him and John. Economist, economist, whatever his last mm -hmm. name is. Um, we also saw <laughs> for everybody at home who might not know that name, Dyed Beard. Dyed Beard, yeah. Um, uh, we got some awesome rock and roll references. Oh yes, some cool soundtrack. Um, just bonding, and, and they're kind of coming together as a family. Mm -hmm. Although, I think you probably you're probably starting to see my theory of uh, Amanda Waller Jr. coming into fruition. Mm-hmm. Just saying. She didn't have to plant that diary. She didn't have to do it. That's very true. And my poor, poor John Cena, my poor peacemaker opened John up. Cena! You can't see him. Uh, he opened up saying it's great to have this, started basically crying and saying it really feels like we're a team. And then what mm -hmm. does she do? She betrays it. 
she betrays him and betrays his trust. Um, granted, where she put that uh, journal, a diary, I probably wouldn't find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, his apartment or his trailer, whatever you want to call it, is a piece of shit. Um, and we also, um, I would say this is probably the most action we've seen in the show so far. Yeah, definitely. Like, from, like, start to finish, outside of, like, the, uh, just, like, headshots we saw of the 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 governor and his family but yeah 100%, like how much did you laugh when uh when they're doing they're drawing straws as the who gets what character so harcourt gets vigilante and she's very upset about that and then obadio gets <laughs> peacemaker and then she's like just be cool man just be cool and you're curious what helmet he's wearing and it turns out he's wearing the x-ray helmet and he's like x-ray mode activate and he just starts shooting people in the he's head. He's like the episode of SpongeBob when he like goes through the dreams and it's plankton and he's like, I see you, zap. Um although it's very gory, may I add. Um although Which I that, liked for yeah. for like you and I both enjoy that from the 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 James Gunn approached DC entities, like he doesn't hold back, and that's what we love the, about the our boy James Gunn. I've kind of got a, a, a reformed palette in terms of maybe when I was like 15 or 16, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have liked the overly gory shows. And I'm not saying I like it, like I enjoy it, but I, I just think it adds a sense of realism to things that you watch. That's why I enjoyed Game of Thrones, that's why I enjoy this, because it's not always fun when you watch a, a person get shot with a shotgun and there's no effects at all it's just it's kind of cookie cutter like you know we're all adults we like you should be an adult if you're watching this television show um even like man mandalorian and book of boba fett has some like you know like violence and some like gore stuff and that makes sense um but so my point is you see peacemaker uh create quite a bit of violence because my man literally kills i don't know how many how many people do you think he kills in that episode like 30 at least and then they also because <laughs> he threw that one like giant like grenade at the door oh, and blew up like twenty yeah, people the there. It was a tank shell attached to the grenade. What, what is that? Oh, it's a bomb I made this morning. <laughs> it was like, you told me to run, and he's like, "What do you mean, dumbass? I threw a bomb. Do you, you know, you tell me to run." And then we got our gorilla friend, which is a direct reference to gorilla garage and his like followers essentially which are like a super elite race of gorilla and monkey and primates um and we also learned that the butterflies can affect any um living being mm-hmm. so basically the whole episode is to cover up to now is they go to the place where the butterflies they figure out where they're making their food uh, they go crazy and kill every single butterfly there, it seems. Then they kill a gorilla. And by they, I mean John. Diabeard kills it with a motherfucking chainsaw. <laughs> Which was a nice reference to earlier in the episode with and Vigilante. That was, yes, that, yeah, Vigilante. But by the way, that that character steals the show. I've You're not bringing it. a chainsaw in. <laughs> I, don't about, I don't know how you feel. I think most He's great. He's probably, awesome. Yeah, I agree. Um, also, shout out to that gorilla. It was really, really, uh, really proven to be difficult. Uh, it was smacking them around. Um, and then we learned, I kind of jumped forward after that. We learned that the, the diary is planted into his apartment. Or I keep saying apartment. It's like a, it's, it's like a mobile it's house. Yeah. <laughs> and then Harcourt makes a, this is important, makes a group chat of the hanaway 11th street or 11th street kids which is a reference mm-hmm. to it's a song to one of the rock bands uh, metal bands 
And Vigilante sends a, <laughs> it's a mermaid emoji, right? I think. He uses it for everything. Happy, sad. <laughs> so stupid. Um, but that's important because that's showing character development as a team mm-hmm. or as a family. Like, because Peacemaker got closer to John, Vigilante got jealous, but I think he's getting closer to Harcourt. Yeah. The show's weirdly pulling those two together. I don't know if it's going to like throw a surprise romance in those two rather mm-hmm. than Peacemaker and Harcourt. Um, oh, he also, Peacemaker does talk to Obadiah uh, about Harcourt, says that she finds him handsome, and then she's like, What's the full quote? And then, and then he's just, <laughs> and she's like, Ah, okay. Um, that's it, that's it. Um, and then it's been, it's the only bad part about watching this show is that it comes out the day it. after we record, yeah. So it's like, I, I don't watch it twice. Well, the we get the fun part where, uh, Adebayo comes in, puts the... Um... Okay, yeah. So that's what I was going to say. She's the worst liar ever. Watch. Ready? Watch. Let's, let's say I'm putting on this helmet. Kyle's butterfly. Looking. Checking out some... Checking out some uh, some person doing something weird across the street. Looking at my own hands. Looking at Kyle. Whoa! It's so cool! Or, like, just look at you and don't even say anything. Because I don't think he, he didn't even look up until... No, he was still, like, looking at the computer or something that at his magazine desk. Doing papers. So you could have did a quick glance and then quick back and be like, holy shit, I see my hands. Take it off. Mr. Murn, try this. And then we cut to credits. Uh, yeah, so I'm curious. She is credited for eight uh, appearances in the show. So I'm curious if your one theory you saw about them all becoming butterflies is relevant. But I also don't think they'll all get it. Yeah. I do think another member of the team is going to get it. Um, I don't think Vigilante. No, I don't think Peacemaker. I think it's gonna be Hardcore, yeah, or I, I think it might be Amanda Waller Jr. Could be. Um, I'm very excited for the next episode. It's building up. It's building up to we're gonna see uh his him and his dad fight off. We're gonna slowly still see the bonding of characters, and mm-hmm. we're gonna see them as I keep saying they're on different character arcs. One's going from like, if you put it in like D and D terms, one going it's like chaotic, good, which is like peace yeah. over to like like neutral, where you're seeing uh, Waller's daughter go over the opposite spectrum, and she's going from like morally just or good over to like chaotic neutral or evil. I mean, planning that diary, in my opinion, is very important to the arc of the show, and that's not something she had to do. And depending upon what's in there, my man is already in a very bad mental state, and he's very vulnerable, and he just needs someone to talk to. It's mm-hmm. weird saying that because of how crazy his character is, but he just needs someone to talk to, and he fa- he thinks he finally found someone that looks like, and when he finds out that she put the journal, I don't think he's going to take it very lightly you do see this in other movies like where someone does something they're like i'm sorry blah 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 blah. uh you know they regret it but i don't know if he'll accept that yeah um i thought this episode was awesome we got our gorilla appearance which we both (laughs) loved um and i think just the character development show development was really good in this one so your rating dylan for peacemaker episode five probably like an 8.8 8.9 it's good, good episode. That's about where I'm at. I, I was going to say 8.8 is like right about where I was. 
Um, I don't think that show will ever dip below like an eight five. Yeah, I think it's going to sit in the eight five and nine five range, and then there's maybe it'll end on a higher note. I did read his tweet though. James Gunn. So I guess the one goes in the news category where he said that Guardians of the Galaxy three is going to be really yeah. sad, and then he also said for Peacemaker spinoff. Yeah, for Peacemaker, he had no idea how they let him get away with this ending and how it's going to be on TV. Very excited. So, uh, that's our Peacemaker episode five review powered by Pickup. Let's get into it. Streaming platform, multiverse news and notes. James Gunn been all over the news this week. Uh, a new Suicide Squad spinoff is in the works. Obviously, doesn't know how they let the uh, the finale get get the way that it did for Peacemaker. And then uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is going to be the last time we see this iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy in the MCU. One more DC note. I also did some research, and I saw with the upcoming Flash movie, they are resetting the DC universe. So the Flash, we all know, or maybe we don't, he has the ability to run fast. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we all know that. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Such an ass. Uh, no, but he has the ability to go fast enough in which he can reverse time, um, and that causes to be a problem several times in a lot of Flash medians, mediums. Uh, and my point is, I think he's literally going to do that in the movie. We they know they're already casting Michael Keaton as Batman. Michael Keaton's a legend, but he's not young, so he's going to be old Batman, which means he's traveling into the time. So my point is, I literally, I think they've confirmed that they're literally writing out. Henry Cavell is Superman. We kind of knew that. They're writing out Batman, period, potentially. And I think they're also writing out Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. I'm not sure about that. And Aquaman as well. They're like literally retconning everything. And apparently, like, there's a guy on Twitter that like does like leak stuff. And he does uh, like, he's, like, he's good for like leaks on Twitter. Like, he's usually, he's over the half time, over like, I think it was like seven out of 10 times he's right, whatever it was. Um, he said, like, apparently there's going to be a scene in that movie where it's going to be, like, Shazam, The Flash, uh, so Zach Levi, Ezra Miller, and, like, one or two other people, and they're going to be like, let's form a new Justice League, which is cool, but the other DC part of me who grew up, you probably grew up watching the Justice League cartoon, I'm like, what the hell is this bullshit? Which, ah! speaking, speaking of Ezra Miller, did you see the video of him? Talking about like threatening to go kill the Ku Klux Klan. No, go for him though. <laughs> like in his car, just like recording it. Like I'll have to send it to you. Culture Crave tweeted out. I was like, holy shit, the Flash is gonna fuck them up. And then uh, I, I only brought this up because someone asked Ezra Miller, "Where does the suit? Where does the Snyder cut? And where does like that stand?" And he was like, "No one can ever tear down Zack Snyder's work, or no universe." So like, they also could be just setting up a different universe. Um, this is just getting a little bit of a tant of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of like a rage almost for me, but like I don't understand what DC's doing. They're making great shows, and they have potentially great more shows lined up with the Batman movie. So my point is, it seems like anything is also Justice League is on uh, HBO. I've mm -hmm. been watching that. Relive in childhood. Point is, it seems like DC does well on HBO, but when it goes live in movies, it's like, what are you doing? So my point is, I don't know what they're doing, and that's very much relevant to news because it's going to be streaming because it's going to be on HBO eventually for all of our listeners to watch. And uh, that's why Marvel has kind of reigned king because DC mm -hmm. has reset itself, like, what, three times in our lifetime? So many times. We've had four Batman. Think about it. We've had, 
Bale, Patterson, uh, Affleck. No, three. No, yeah, three, right? We've had a lot of Batman. Well, we have a lot. We have a lot overall, but I mean, in our lifetime, we've had three already. Top bins, top tier commentary, top drawer, upper ninety. You already know. (laughs) You already know. I think that's how it always goes, like, 45 minutes, and we're at, like, Chelsea. What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Robin's time. What's up? We're back. Yeah, I mean, we had in our lifetime, in terms of just Batman movies, like we had George Clooney, we had yes, Michael true. Keaton, yes. we had Val Kilmer. Like, we were all alive for those. So it's like six Batman we've had, plus all and the then, animated Batman. I was going to say, the people I associate Batman with the most are Kevin Conroy, the voice of the OG Batman. You probably know that. That's also Mark Hamill's Joker. They go side and side. And then Christian Bale. And sometimes I throw in Will Friedle for uh, Batman Beyond. Yes. And then if you want to go in like the, you know, like that was the gold, like Olympic terms, you know, that was the gold, silver, bronze. Like the fourth runner up is usually, I think, Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Val Kimmer and George Clooney, I'm kind of just like. Kilmer is much better than Clooney, but he's yeah. like definitely like the bronze because I think the villains in Kilmer's movie were better than he was as Batman. <laughs> cool. That one's better than Clooney, dude. That's why people are nervous Clooney about nipples. I was just going to say, you can't be nervous about Robert Patterson's movie because it can't be worse than that. Physically cannot be. <laughs> uh, so then some other news in the streaming platform, Multiverse. Uh, Dylan, I can either go the superhero... MCU route, or I can go Billboard Top 100 route. Which one do you want to hear first? Do the Billboard one because I just ranted about DC how they suck. Uh, so the hit sensational new Disney movie Encanto. Oh, I watched that finally. What did you think? I liked it. I also want to say, you're, you're right. Maybe I am right. You can ask Tyler. I watched it with Tyler and Zach Carbonero. About four minutes in, I was like. When's, first of all, I said, when's this goddamn Bruno song coming on? <laughs> and then second of all, I looked at Zach and Tyler dead in the face, and I was like, I guarantee you Bruno's probably not even a bad guy. <laughs> well, Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> He's not. Uh, yeah, I think Encanto is like one of the better like new era Disney movies we've gotten in a long time. Um, but speaking of Bruno, we don't talk about Bruno as taking the world by storm as one of the catchiest songs of all time. And it's being reflected as that because uh, on Monday, 
five weeks after it debuted at number 50 on the Billboard Hot 100, yeah, it has officially reached the top spot on the Billboard Hot 100. We Don't Talk About Bruno is the number one song in the Billboard charts, and it's only the second song from a Disney animated film to reach that height. I want to guess. Mm, Aladdin. Right movie. Oh, yeah, a song. Is it a whole new world? Yes. Okay. Whole New oh. World's the only other animated Disney uh, film song to hit number one on the Billboard charts, which was back in 1993. I'm happy I got that right because my other two guesses were going to be Milan. Uh, which so wouldn't have been a bad guess. And then the third one was going to be Nostalgic for Us is uh, Hercules Go the Distance. Oh, yeah, it's a great song. Just because older movies, I figured. Yeah, it's, it's awesome, though. We don't talk about Bruno. Uh, song comes in just under uh, in under just four minutes, and it features an ensemble cast and is getting more popular by the day. It's going crazy on TikTok, um, and obviously, it's a Lin Manuel Miranda just masterpiece. Um, so, again, if you haven't watched Encanto yet, what are you doing? It's on Disney Plus. Go watch it. It's phenomenal. Um, and we don't talk about Bruno is the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 chart right now so go listen to it go blast that thing um and dylan our superhero news in the mcu i'm I'm cast it as a superhero via backstage um which is the most trusted name in casting since 1960 reportedly go on with it filming starting to film in summer 2022 season two of loki Ah! oh i have news I, I you probably saw it too about Marvel. Apparently, John Bernthal has confirmed to come back as the Punisher. I did see something about the only like Punisher news I saw. I don't know if we talked about it on the show or not, but for Echo, they brought on board like storyboarders and producers from Netflix, Daredevil, and Punisher. John Bernthal's Punisher will, will return to the MCU. From small screen. Let's go. I hope it's with that new logo we talked about like a month ago. Also, I typed in John Berthold news. The other article popped up. John Berthold shared the surprising way he dealt with early career rejection due to his big nose and giant ears. We <laughs> we stand a fellow king who has we overcome stand. the odds. Overcome the odds and is honestly a very good actor. You need to watch Daredevil or Punisher. Yeah, I am. I am more than halfway also, done season I, one of Daredevil. Oh, yo! I started rewatching it, by the way. Oh, uh, sick! So I can kind of be with you. I'm on like episode three or four. Um, Sweet! I think I finished episode eight, so I have nine, okay, ten, eleven, twelve, and thirteen so, left. I'll speak in. <laughs> I forgot that the dude, like when they have when they defend the guy from the bowling alley. Yeah. I forgot the way in which he murders himself, <laughs> bro. That's when you knew Wilson Fist was going to be a menace. My man literally is like, you don't understand. You don't give up his name. And just goes, huh? <laughs> I'm like, what? Are you loving the show still so far? It's so good, dude. It is amazing. It's, good. Um, it's a good change of pace. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I, I really am enjoying it. It's, Charlie Cox is literally, he's born to play that role. So great. He's awesome. D'Onofrio's amazing. Um, I can't wait for more. Did you get any? Uh, did they get? Did it, by that point in the show, has it gotten in any of his backstory yet? Wilson. Yes. Yeah, I just watched the episode where, like, the one yeah. episode before yeah. it was like Charlie Cox's, like, more 
like character backstory yeah and then the opposite was the next episode with wilson's backstory it almost makes you feel empathy for the big guy yes it was great it was really well done because his character is evil but not not at the extreme edge of evil at points in the show if that makes sense it's almost a learned evil yes yeah great it's a great way to put it uh so dylan we're gonna finish this episode with Something we're going to bring in as this is the two-year announcement anniversary of streamer season when we announced it during Super Bowl 54's halftime on the social medias in a commercial form. Uh, it is still our pinned tweet, so you can go watch that commercial. Super Bowl, Jamil will be there, underground athlete. Big facts. Um, and it's funny looking back at the commercial we made for streamer season being that we've only talked about like a handful of shows that we included in the commercial. It's because, well, yeah, life gets... We're, we're, yeah, it's and I think at the time, we didn't have all of the streaming platforms either that were included. We were just trying to like include them in terms of... But now with YouTube, Kyle, we can give, potentially divulge into another realm of things that people want to hear. We can, do, we can do movie reviews. We can mm-hmm. do other show reviews. We can still keep the usual pod of like current... Uh, shows you know what i mean like the possibility we could even do because i know they do it youtube it's a thing people do like the reaction videos yep to, which to christian our our movie reviewer extraordinaire he is down to be doing some content on youtube for us but to celebrate two years of announcing streamer season uh to the world we talked about it at the top of the show kind of our own like hall of fame walk of fame we'll figure out a name for it hopefully by next week or the next couple weeks, but just thinking off the top of that, like some of the shows we've, we've gotten a chance to dive into some of the movies. Should we do it in terms of like inducting characters, overall shows, overall movies, or a combination of like all three? Not with all three. I mean, I mean, either way to me, I think it's a good idea. Um, I, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like genuinely, I'm not partial. I we'll just brainstorm it. Um, I think off the top of my dome though, somebody that's a first ballot, streamer season insert name of what we're going to call this award here uh it's got to be the mandalorian that's our first episode by episode breakdown show uh and really like skyrocketed kind of our listens and and everything and like the new format of the show Uh, that's that's my initial ballot member um anything for you that comes to mind that we've done over the last two years loki true that was our first like mind blown moment i was gonna say that's one of the shows that i mean because like uh wandavision blew your mind in one direction but after after a little bit it wasn't predictable but it was set up in a way in which you understood what was going on Mm -hmm. loki every episode you're just like what (laughs) like you're like huh because the the, generally the ending of that i'm sure most people didn't have sylvie betraying loki pegged down as their and nobody had jonathan major showing up yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So my point is, like, that had some serious cliffhangers. So I, I, I very much enjoyed that show. Yeah, so we'll we'll dive into collecting the shows, the movies, the characters, uh, the, the podcast bits, probably, as well. And uh, we'll let you guys know what we're going to call this kind of induction thing. It makes sense with the pop culture aspect of this show where they do award shows and stuff like that we called the obsession award named after michael fassbender and the michael fassbender <laughs> obsession award <laughs> it's just a, it's just, 
have an envelope here. I have no idea how it got here, so I'm opening that. And well. the award goes to Michael Fassbender. Yeah, that's, what I'm <laughs> that's why I kind of wanted it. I think it's probably insurance. And uh, one last bit of streaming platform news, which I'm sure we'll talk about this show at least on the show. Uh, February 23rd, uh, the Proud Family Louder and Prouder coming to Disney Plus finally. The uh, the reboot, if you will, of the Proud Family or like season three of the Proud Family coming back. Um, I saw the trailer for it. We tweeted out from streamer season a few a few weeks ago. Show looks awesome. All the original voice cast coming back. Sugar Mama's back. Um, I'm very pumped. I found the, um, I think he's the producer of the show. Let me pull it up here because um, I tweeted and I tagged him in the tweet with the new poster. It is Bruce W. Smith. I would love to have Bruce W. Smith. He's the creator and executive producer. Um, I'd love to have Bruce on the show to talk about the Proud Family. Um, he was also the director of Hair Love, Space Jam, BB's Kids, and an assortment right. of Chocolate Delights, as he has in his Twitter uh, bio. And he's also Dr. Facilier from uh, Princess and the Frog. I, I like it. So I would love to have Bruce W. Smith on the show. Um, but Proud Family, I'm sure you and I, for nostalgia purposes alone, are going to be talking about that. And uh, also the thing trending, because it's on Hulu now, hashtag uh, Pam and Tommy on Hulu. Pamela Anderson, Tommy Lee show, uh, gonna be pretty wild to say the least. Um, yeah. but that is all we have for this episode of streamer season. Be sure to follow us on the social medias at streamer S Z N on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Dylan at Dylan Mazzola. Follow me at K B I Z Z L three one one. Check out the website underground sports. Tell us what you want us to watch. Tell us what you want us to watch. Let us know. Um, Leave the podcast reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel. YouTube Hell subscribers, yeah. click the bell notification so you know when videos go live, which will be in the next couple of weeks at the at the latest. Um, but subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel and uh, subscribe to the podcast feed as well. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your shows, we are there. Uh, big thank you to our sponsors, Tom Oxshades. Stateside Vodka and Kenwood Beer. Go to TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP at checkout for 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. Get the Vodka Soda Party Packs, the Surfside Iced Teas at StatesideVodka.com. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. Kenwood Beer. Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see us Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. you got to be 21 or older to do so and of course please drink responsibly and in the description of the podcast use our affiliate link at binoboard.com uh to help support the show and like i said subscribe to the underground sports of philadelphia youtube channel where you're gonna get streamer season every thursday in video form more than likely we'll have the schedule update and and ready to rock and roll for you on our social uh pages so stay tuned for that and stay tuned for our uh induction type thing yeah. to uh help celebrate two years of streamer season being alive and well uh and we will catch you guys next week for the finale of the book of boba fett another episode of peacemaker and whatever the hell else pops up in the streaming platform multiverse of news but for dylan 
I'm KB. This has been another episode of Streamer Season, the exclusive streaming platform TV and movie podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Until next week, keep on bounty hunting. <laughs> Keep an eye.